0: Hey Think really, listener and viewer, thank you so much for joining the podcast. We're coming to you live from Tampa, Florida. Uh, as always, every time we have an event, we love to do our podcast live. It's way better to have you know, that personal interaction with people uh, live as opposed to trying to do Zoom. You know, it's just, I, Zoom's a great tool, but man, I'm so tired of uh, doing that. That's why I make Abby Golhar always do the Zoom calls. Uh, I get to the live ones, and we'll get to our live guests in just a second. I wanna say a quick thank you to our podcast sponsor, uh, which is Rent to Retirement. Does 20% return investing on in turnkey rentals sound attractive? Of course it does. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence out of state. They have single family, multifamily, and new builds across 15 markets that maximize cash flow, appreciation, and equity. Rent to Retirement helps investors build a business plan to achieve financial freedom through real estate investing. To learn more, go to renttoretirement.com. That's rent-to-retirement.com calm um our guest today uh, has uh, has been a longtime supporter of Think Realty, and uh, we appreciate uh, Ashcroft Capital. Travis, it's good to have you on the show today.
1: Nice to be here, yeah. as you said in person. Yeah. And more importantly, in Tampa, because yes. I live in Orlando. Yeah, so that's not too far of a drive, hop, right? Hop, skip, and a jump.
0: Is it I? Is it four I four that you drive yeah. over? That's not too bad of a drive, right? No,
1: pretty much a straight shot. You get no. to come
0: through like the heartland of Florida, right? Like Lakeland and all yeah, those areas. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Very cool. Glad you came over. <laughs> today um, so let's jump in uh, we know that the marketplace is kind of crazy today yep. right I mean interest rates rising and impending interest rate rise here again in the in the near future yep um, you you've got a lot of consumer sentiment that's dropping you know yep. it's th- weird stats I mean like we th- we're still six and a half million homes underbuilt there's a ton of demand in the marketplace still yep um, there's a, a lot of demand for affordable housing yep. um, even if interest rates go up another quarter or three quarters percent, we're still under where we were in the Obama administration. It's yes. like, I think people kind of forget about that. Like it, it yeah. wasn't 10 years ago and we were at that rate or, you know, higher. Yeah. Um, but it's that consumer confidence issue, right? Yeah. Like it's, uh, the stats kind of point to, there's no reason we really should be in a recession other than maybe inflation um, or the cost of housing, but employment isn't low enough to really be called a recession, right? right? The American consumer, uh, is making thirteen hundred more dollars than they did during the Obama administration when our interest rates were higher, right? Yeah. And and everybody's like, well, but inflation—we're losing four hundred fifty dollars a month, you know, per family. And it's like, yeah, but by if you kind of like play all these stats out, it's like right. they kind of point to this really weird place we're in. True. And uh, so I know you're invested heavily in multifamily, and you help real estate yeah. investors get into multifamily. Um, talk to me about with all the craziness in the market. What's going on with multifamily? What do you see happening? Are there still deals on the street? Is there still opportunity?
1: Sure, yeah, absolutely. So I'll start that with a story. And the story is I wanted to be an investor for a very long time, Mm -hmm. even as a child, I wanted to be an investor, which is weird. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so starting as a lot of people start with single family homes and reading Robert Kiyosaki books and kind of the, the gateways to the industry, I eventually found a mentor and he was a gentleman that sold his business in 1995 made millions of dollars unexpectedly, and okay. had to become a full-time investor. Sure. So I'm picking his brain. This was at a real estate meetup out in Colorado, 2015-ish. And he tells me, my bread and butter to my portfolio has been multi-family private placements. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what that meant. Sure. And so as we dug into it, it turned out it was value add, mm-hmm. you know, class B for the most sure. part. And so I'm a pretty macro level guy. So to your point with interest rates, I'm the guy that's looking at like that 50 year chart and I'm Mm -hmm. saying we're still at extremely historic lows. (laughs) We could go up 3% and it's still not crazy. You listen to Kiyosaki talk about doing real estate, multifamily deals with 20% interest rates. You know, so I'm an advocate of this and this comes from my childhood. My parents raised me very frugally Mm -hmm. and it was always buy a fixer upper Mm -hmm. and make it better and sell it at a profit. We did this with cars. We did this with with clothing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We did this with our own houses, Sure, you know, and so that's kind of what led me in. Mm -hmm. So that's the Mm backstory. But to answer your question, what's going on? Well. Yeah, obviously, rising rates is always a negative, mm-hmm. right? But also, to your point earlier, severe lack of inventory. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't need affordable housing in America? Sure. You can't afford to build it at prices that we rent for. Right. You know, we're talking about 11, 1200 bucks $1, a month, two right. bedroom units. So I like to be in something that's essential. Mm-hmm. I'm not the guy chasing, you know, the the crazy crypto stuff and nothing mm-hmm. against crypto. It's sure. just the fundamentals really aren't there, the mm-hmm. historics really aren't there, the macro level's not really there. So that's not the right fit for sure. me. Yeah. So I think there's still a ton of institutional buying. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a lot of retail buying. That's compressed cap rates, mm-hmm. that's increased pricing, sure. and there's lack of inventory, right. you know. So even as we're seeing rising rates, I was just watching a Marcus and Milichap kind Mm -hmm. of recap, and there's still historic demand for the asset class. So we're not seeing these major 2008 kind of movements Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So are there deals still to be had? Yes. Are there a lot fewer than maybe five, six years ago? Yes. (laughs) But, you know, we gotta be patient and you gotta make sure that the numbers work, obviously, or it's not worth doing the deal.
0: Yeah, I was uh, talking to a very large hedge fund manager the other day. And he said, we've, we've gotten to a place, he said, where to mitigate risk, we just have to, we have to create more doors in the portfolio. And, uh, which is not what the average real estate is thinking right now. They're thinking, oh, more doors brings more liability. We've gotta change their mindset a little bit, because, you know, what he said is, is if I can't buy a 150 door single family portfolio, I'm just gonna go buy more multi, right? Yeah. It's like, because what he was saying is, is like, what happens is, is, the fundamentals of real estate, the more renters you have, the less risk you have, right? Yeah. Because the guy that has, you know, and that's why it took me forever to get into the commercial space, because it was like, well, if I spend $5 million in this commercial building, and I only have one tenant, and that one tenant goes away, and I sit on this property for three years with all this debt service, like, that's a really big problem, you yeah. know? and yep. until my portfolio could substantiate a big commercial purchase like that then it, it just didn't make sense. Yeah. And a lot of these single family they've amassed like 20, 30, 40, 50 doors now in mm-hmm. the Think realty space and if they kind of took a, a you know a note from some of the bigger investors the institutional guys they're like no no don't buy 10 more single Botch, somehow get into 150 doors of yep. multi because you're essentially spreading risk over that many, you know, that that many customers essentially. Right. Um what are your thoughts on, I mean, I know that you guys primarily deal in class B, like you talked about, value yep. add, yep. Uh, in those sunbelt states, right? I mean, you, you said that you're mm-hmm. in Florida, Georgia, a little bit of Texas. Correct. Yeah, and um, which obviously right now, you've got three states that are losing people in a drastic uh, rate, and that's New York, Illinois, and California, yep. and you have two states that are gaining all those people, and that's Florida and Texas, right? I mean, yeah. so it's like, you're, you're kind of right in the middle of all of that population movement as well. Yeah. Um, however, uh, there's, there's been a lot of um, speculation and mm-hmm. media about the Class A space. You know, you got a bunch of you know, really well-known guys out there that are just raising huge amounts of capital for Class A and they're doing Class A builds. There's yeah. a lot of speculation out there that that could be the one bubble that is most dangerous to ride today. Because as people's affordability decrease, right. it, it's, it's, it's like the single-family home buyer we don't buy houses. We don't go, Oh, I need three bedrooms and two baths of 1500 square feet for my family. What we do is we're entitled consumers. We go, I deserve a house that's typically outside of my price range (laughs) and, and I'm supposed to be spending, you know, at least a half, you know, one third to a half of all of my monthly income on my house, so therefore I deserve this place of whatever my monthly payment can afford. Sure. That's all the American consumer buys today, right? Yeah. Right. They they don't even care what the price of it is, they just want to know well how much is my monthly payment? You know, that's yeah. how we buy. And um and by and large. However, we're reducing what the American population can actually spend on a monthly basis. And the guy that could have spent 2,500 bucks in an apartment for granite and all the big amenities and the, you know, Mm -hmm. the massive pool and, you know, the the glass A stuff, they're going to be squeezed down because of inflation, because of all that, you know, all of that. So where do they go? Well, there's only really one place to go, right? If you're already in an apartment complex, right. you're not gonna be able to afford a re- rental on a single family. Those are essentially non-existent across America, America today. It's too hard to get them. Um, build the rents as much as there's fanfare around it, like there's limited liability unless you're in a big urban you know, marketplace. Yep. um so where do they go they go to class b right and then they're probably gonna go to the nicest class b that they can afford which is exactly what you're talking about value add Mm -hmm. is that kind of what you do you believe that Do you believe the speculation that maybe the real bubble is the class a um that the class a apartment complex that's at a two or three or four cap but is really gonna be unaffordable
1: i think that depends because class a meaning luxury and high-end and new development could mean a lot of things. So in markets, like you described earlier, when you talk about Illinois or downtown city centers, San Francisco, et cetera, you're talking about 5,000, 6,000 a month rent? Sure. Yeah, obviously that gets impacted by anyone that's had that executive or VP level job that now is stepping down. But it all gets back to, again, the macro level. I want to be where most people are mm-hmm. as far as the demand goes, sure. you know? So that's that's why the class B. And yeah, you brought up great points. And so you look at uh, discretionary spending, you look at average savings rates, you mm-hmm. know, you look at potential uh, layoffs, which are already happening. And so you still want to be in that most affordable space, yeah. in my opinion, you yeah. know, car repos are starting to go up again. Sure. I mean, and again, one, one more like flashback to the macro, every asset class goes through a cycle. And so if you're gonna be a long-term and a professional investor, you have to think about that. And something that happened between 2007 and 2009 and the great recession with commercial multifamily is that as soon as the onset happened Mm -hmm. and the panic was at its all-time high, your vacancies fell in the class B sector by about 10%. And then they quickly rebounded For reasons that you're talking about. What happened? People lost homes. Where did they go? Rentals. Class B was Mm -hmm. most people's spot at that time. So you may suffer for six to 12 months, but if you're holding for positive cash flow and you're holding more than six to 12 months, then you can weather the storm a lot better.
0: Sure. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, When it comes to underwriting, um, you know, And I know that you, you probably take on a lot of uh, LPs or passives in the deals that you're doing. So they're depending on you to underwrite these deals and make sure it makes sense for them. Has your underwriting criteria changed at all over the past six, eight weeks? You know, are you making adjustments there because of the economy?
1: I would say it started changing with the onset of the pandemic. Okay. So we, we were actually closed. We're, we're here in Tampa talking and we closed a deal doing a property tour tonight on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, right as the onset, this was like March and April of sure. 2020. We, we we backed out of that deal and then we were able to renegotiate. We got about a $2 million discount. We took the LTV down sure. and we ended up entering back into it and closing it. Okay. you know, So our criteria changed there mm-hmm. with, really looking at you know exit cap rates and really looking at what we're telling our investors we're going to do for preferred returns mm-hmm. and all the rest. Sure. We just like to underpromise and overdeliver, sure. and that had a lot to do with you know I, my role as investor relations was educating the LPs that what we expected the last three, four, five years is not going to be the same kind of thing. A lot of people at that time were still. I want to enter a deal. I want eight to ten percent annualized cash flow out of the gate. I want to double my money in three to five years it may not be that, and so we have to all adjust and we have to look at, if you don't do a deal like this, then what is your alternative? And when you get realistic and you look at the stock market and a potential pending recession at some point, you think, okay, maybe I'll take a little bit less of a coupon to to play the safety game. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And and in an asset class that has a lot of runway and a lot of appreciation potential, When you look at these deals, you know, by and large, a lot of the Class B, Class C value add stuff that I've gotten into, this strategy was similar, right? It's um, buy-in, a lot of the rehab costs is built into whatever they raised um a refinance period of two to three years in where you get you know some of your capital back maybe all of your capital back in great situations yeah and then kind of an exit pathway in five six seven years down the road right does that change at all like just kind of the fundamental process for value add is you know does that change do you have to underwrite to make sure that the cash flow is important in case you hold on it to eight or nine or ten years i mean like is there any of that changing
1: I like to invest in deals that don't project upfront when or what a refinance is going to entail. Sure, Because nobody has control over the Fed, the government, you know, what's gonna happen there. So I like to just look at historic cash flow, Mm -hmm. current cash flow, how much undervalued, as far as the rents mm-hmm. are concerned, they are today, sure. and what's realistic for, for coming up. So I always do my own due diligence as an LP investor. I'm on apartments.com and things like yeah. that. And I'm always like, it's trust but verify. Sure. The, the beauty of being an LP is that you can rely on the GP to do the homework, mm-hmm. but you shouldn't just blindly say, yeah, sure. oh yeah, whatever you say, I'm right. sure you you looked into it. Yeah. I'm always doing a little Google drive-bys yeah. and, and sure. stuff like that. So that's one thing. Um, The other thing that's changed to answer your question is that we were finding 100% value add deals five years ago, Mm -hmm. and even four years ago, and maybe three and a half years ago, the deals we buy today have mostly been either partially renovated, half renovated, three quarters renovated. So it's not the same value add Mm -hmm. opportunity that we had then, which again, plays into the returns and the realistic expectations.
0: So you're looking more for this long-term kind of cash flowing asset that maybe the lift isn't quite as heavy. It's underperforming, but it doesn't need like a complete overhaul for re-performance. Yeah. It's a little bit less of a lift.
1: yeah, and what, I, what I'm seeing again, just speaking as an LP this year and last year a little bit is a lot of these deals are coming full cycle early sure. because of what the market's done. They're now right. outperforming their projections. So I'm always telling investors to ex- not expect that in the future. Sure. As we potentially go to recession or things change in the economy, mm-hmm. we may actually hold five years. It yeah. may be seven years, you know? Yeah. And, and again, mm-hmm. that's something to consider as a risk, as an LP, sure. you're subject to what the GP thinks is the right move.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and long-term and I'm, I'm sitting in a couple of deals that I've been in for nine, 10 years and yeah. I'm ready to exit because they have all this equity, yeah. you know, but the, <laughs> but he's, you know, the GP who has a lot of skin in the game, is yeah. struggling to find his next deal. And so he yes. takes this massive tax hit if he, if he does sell. And yeah. so there's all this conversation, like, should you refinance all the LPs out or how does this work? You know, like, yeah. and you're kind of at the discretion of the GP. Um, couple more questions like in that, that line of thinking, but but before we get there, like how does Ashcroft work, right? So an investor's thinking about what we're talking about and they're going, yeah, that sounds interesting to me. I'd like to find out more. Um, uh, how, how does the structure work? How do they get involved? What's the services you provide to, to investors?
1: Yeah, so we started doing funds a couple years ago. So okay. we're on fund two right now. It's mm-hmm. called the Ashcroft Capital Value Add Fund Two. We target about six to 10 properties per year. You know, that's just Mm -hmm. our our projection. And then we're in the Sunbelt markets. So as you pointed out, mostly Texas, Florida and Georgia. Sure. And so everything we buy is stabilized and cash flowing day one. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then we do monthly distributions for our investors. The actual legal structure is an LP. Mm -hmm. And then we create a brand new LLC for each property that's acquired with a 100% owner being the limited partnership which is the fund. So what's nice about that, again, speaking as an LP, you can invest most of the year, it's first come first serve, but Mm -hmm. like last year we launched, I don't know, into January and closed early December. So that was a good portion of a year. So if you have other deals that are selling or you wanna take some chips off the table, you know you have a place to roll into, you know, throughout the year. So uh, 1K1, which is nice too, makes it very easy and streamlined. So that's what we do. Um, Five year holds approximately, value add business plans, yep. 200 to 600 units in size, yep. and garden level uh, mostly.
0: Got it, that makes a lot of sense. And so if they wanna reach out to you, it's Ashcroft Capital forward slash, ashcroftcapital.com forward slash Travis yep. to get to I've you. Got,
1: I have got a landing page there, one-on-one calls, no sales pitch, I uh, got some downloadable PDFs, and yep. you can check out current offerings there.
0: So when you get into the more sophisticated, so we talked a little bit about like somebody that comes in at 50, 100 grand, whatever that is, is an LP position. Yeah. There's people like me and others that are you know out there that we produce a lot of non-W two income and the mm-hmm. strategies that we have are typically on a, a tax avoidance, right? And so, or, or ta- limiting our task, tax tax uh, liability. Yep. And so we don't typically like play at the level of like, what's my cash on cash return? It's typically like, yeah, can I get a solid return, but then can you cost seg it? And can you give yeah. me the pass through depreciation because I'm just trying to offset all this other capital over here in taxation. Yeah. And then our aggregated net on the property could be 19, 20, 25% in return because essentially it's offsetting our, our massive tax liability. Yeah. Do you guys ever get into that like deep of a strategy with somebody and trying to make sure they're maximizing their depreciation and things like that?
1: Sure. I mean, obviously with, with the caveats of not not financial advisors, not CPAs, not attorneys, but yeah, we do cost seg studies on every single property. As I mentioned, it's a consolidated composite K1 at the end of the year. 2022 is the last year of the 100% bonus depreciation, at least for now. So it's still a great time you know, roughly, I mean, just some some rough numbers, speaking personally, not on behalf of Ashcroft, but, you know, your K-1s are usually like a, a 50% loss on paper in your sure. number one. So right. it's still very tax advantaged as an asset class. Real mm-hmm. estate really has been. You look throughout the whole globe. I mean, real estate's usually that. It's a right. tax favored sure. investment class. It's because the government needs housing to be provided sure. they're not building the house yeah. the houses they you know and providing it. It. Yeah. yeah so so it's yep. just an incentive so
0: yeah very good i i think that's a huge thing is like i i know that there's a lot of um there's a lot of high net worths in think realty that they, they i think they think about investing one dimensionally and when you get to a place where you are a high net worth um, i often find to, that you make this switch and the switch is, is like you talk about being a professional investor. But sometimes it's, it, I spend more time trying to avoid tax and capital gains than I do actually trying to find new great deals. You yeah. know, like I have a bunch of right. companies, they all kick off non-W2 income. Yeah. It becomes, you know, I mean, it, it's a great burden, but it's a burden, you know? Yeah. like. And so you either just pay 40% of it to the government and you walk on and go, okay, well, that was good. Or you find investment opportunities to grow your net worth and avoid, you know, or or compensate for the tax loss. But Mm -hmm. anyways, I think it's a, I I feel like multifamily is one of the greatest strategies for that. You know, it's an easier place to deploy larger amounts of capital, which allows you to typically depreciate larger amounts of a a larger valued asset. And then Mm -hmm. like you said, you get to take these typically good hits right up front with the with the the loss in the beginning in year one so yeah yeah pretty solid pretty solid opportunity.
1: I didn't get into real estate for the tax reasons, but I I ended up like you, you know. I mean, it becomes a bigger and bigger thing, as you all know, I'm sure. I mean, the more income you're generating, the higher your tax bracket. You get a lot of Californians, you know, people in in New York, you know, sometimes paying 60% tax. So not just talking about federal, but of course the state income tax and any local taxes on top of that, self-employment taxes, it gets really rough. And so, yeah, to your point, it ends up being the difference between a 8% return, you know, Non-tax favored or six percent, highly tax favored. Sure. Sometimes six makes sense.
0: Yeah. What I recommend is whether or not somebody is like ready to get into multifamily or not, is to at least reach out, make the contact, make a relationship with everybody that's a solid operator, right? Yeah. Because um, for me, uh, I've I've utilized 1031s periodically when it makes sense. Yep. Um, But the biggest issue with 1031s is finding the next deal to get into. Yes. And so the biggest issue is when you start when you start to think about the disposition of an asset. You better have a whole bullpen of people that are out there that you could put an you know put capital into, yeah. such as yourself, where you're like, hey, what do you have? Is it solid? Yeah. Is it a good investment? Because I found myself between those two positions, like mm-hmm. I've got a great buyer, but it doesn't make sense for me to sell if I can't ten thirty one because I'm going to lose you know thirty nine point six percent of this mm-hmm. asset if I sell it you know and without rolling it in, so. There's a lot of strategies around that, but I, I think it's so important that you know the, the viewer gets to know you and others that are in our world that are yeah. you know either deal sponsors or people that can put deals together, good operators, because in the end you need a bullpen. Like it, you, it's it's hard to go. This is my only guy. I'm ever gonna do multifamily. Now I have people that I've done stuff with a long time, and you get that level of confidence where it's like if they have a good deal, you kind of just get in on it because. Mm-hmm which I'm sure you've got a lot of those, Um, but also it's like we all should be keeping our head up going, who else is a good operator? Who else has the deal? Who else has these opportunities? Because all of us should consider them, you know?
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. Huge advocate for
0: diversification. Yeah, for sure. Um, For a new investor, maybe they're just in single family, they're considering multifamily. What's, What's a piece of advice that you might give them?
1: Oh, man. So, yeah, my journey was all the single-family stuff, flips, Mm -hmm. vacation rentals, uh, buy and holds, you know, flipping homes that I lived in every couple years, stuff like that. I just got concerned that one day I'm going to wake up, have 50 properties, all within a 30-mile radius, Mm -hmm. and you know, political risk, tax risks, you know, natural disaster risk. Mm -hmm. So I there were so many markets I was interested in, but the pathway to buying single family out of state just Mm -hmm. seemed a bit overwhelming too logistical. I was a very busy Mm W2. And so I would just think about the scalability of doing private placement investing, Mm -hmm. because that allowed me to get into the markets that we talk about today and many more markets on top of that. Yeah, because there is no perfect market. And so I'm the guy that's doing the 50 K there and 100 there all over the nation, you know, for that reason. So think about scalability, like with with Ashcroft right now, we just built out some warehouses in um, Dallas-Fort Worth because Mm -hmm. of the supply chain issue. We're we're buying literally thousands of appliances at a time. Think about Mm -hmm. the discounts that you get from that versus owning your single family home, Mm -hmm. running down to Home Depot, Paying, you know, above market. Right. Sure. <laughs> you know, especially right now. Yeah. And, and it just makes a lot of sense to me to buy yeah. things cheaper that way, sure. and, and to do it where you could lose. You know, fifteen, twenty tenants could turn and move tomorrow, and yeah. you're still cash flow positive yeah. in yeah. your single family home. One tenant's out, you're, you're not only zero, you're negative. Right. right? You still yeah. owe, you know, HOA, sure. property tax, insurance, yeah. and you got to find a new tenant.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Thanks so much for being a part of uh, the podcast today. It's been great to get to know you a little bit better and hear a little more about Ashcroft. Uh, again, you go to ashcroftcapital.com forward slash Travis. Uh, you guys also do social media and things like that. Can they find Ashcroft on social? Uh, you on, can
1: follow right? me at Passive Investor Tips okay. on social media, Instagram Very and cool. Facebook or Travis Watts, W A T T. Passive
0: Investor Tips. Very cool. There you go. I like it. Very good. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Yep. yep. Thanks, Eddie. Let me say a quick thank you again to our podcast sponsor. Uh, podcast sponsor uh, is Rent to Retirement. Uh, rent to Retirement offers full turnkey uh, properties that are newly built or renovated, leased, and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence out of state. They have a single family, multi family, and new builds across 15 markets that maximize cash flow, appreciation, and equity. Rent to Retirement helps investors to build a business plan to achieve financial freedom through real estate investing. You can learn more at rent to That's rent to retirement. Uh, I just want to give you a quick uh, word of advice, uh, Think Realty listener viewer. Um, As the founder of Think Realty, we created Think Realty to be the companion of the real estate investor, Uh, making sure we put the right data in front of you and the right people in front of you. The marketplace is crazy right now. We all know that. Interest rates rising, a pending interest rate increase here in the near future. Um, And and who knows where where the marketplace goes. Uh, Whether we go into a recession, whether they hold it off, there's so much unknown. So what you need to do is immerse yourself in data. You need to make sure that you are following people that are actually doing deals. Um, This is not a time necessarily to buy education from people that are speculative in what they're teaching. You should should follow the people that are actually doing it and follow them and make sure that they have uh, expertise and knowledge in that space. And number three, we should be looking for the next opportunity. The next opportunity may come in diversification. If you've been doing the same thing for the past 10 years, it may not be smart to do it for the next 10 years. Uh, You might wanna consider diversification, something like multifamily or others, self-storage, whatever it is, get data, get information and start challenging yourself to get outside of that bubble that you've created. um, Because in this next market cycle, How you made money in the last market cycle may not be the best way to make the same money. And uh, so follow Think Realty, be a part of our conversation. Let us know what you need. If you need more information on any asset class, we'll get the people in, we'll interview them, we'll bring the data to you. Uh, And you can find us at thinkrealty.com. You can follow us on all the socials, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, all those. And uh, you can also pick up the latest Think Realty magazine on your local Barnes and Noble bookshelf as well as pick it up uh, by getting online and having it delivered to you. Thank you so much for being a part of the Think Realty universe. We appreciate you being a part, being a member, and uh, following along. Please stay in touch. Let us know what you need, and we will be glad to serve you. Have a great day.